Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. How you guys doing? If you guys don't know me, my name is Pastor Timmy, and I have the pleasure to preach today. Oh my goodness. You guys don't understand how much I love being at Epiphany. You guys don't understand how much I love you guys. It's such a pleasure, and it's an honor, and it's a privilege to serve you guys, to lead in this capacity is always a pleasure because um, I really feel like the Lord has blessed me with this community and, I, and I'm no gas, no cap, no cap. God has really blessed me with this community because there's so many just creative individuals, dynamic individuals, strong individuals. We got prayer warriors. We got people that know the word. And um, I'm praying that, you know, we buy into this idea of community. We have small groups uh, that's coming this Wednesday. Try to make it out. Try to make it out. Let's buy into the idea of community, to the community that God has for us. Amen and amen. So one thing you need to know about me is that I love, I love the word of God. And the reason why I have the courage to come up to this stage. The reason why I, I can do this is because I'm not preaching the Bible as told by Adebamba Oluwatimilene Ogufora. You know what I mean? I don't, that's, that's not me. You know, that, that, I, I, I don't come up to the stage preaching me. I preach the gospel, the authority of the gospel, the validity of the scriptures, the grace and the wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm such you know, it's just, it's just a pleasure. And, and you know, God's word, it, it, it just never fails. God's text, it never fails. Like, we, we are curious about the word. The word is not curious about us. <laughs> the word is not curious about us. The word has not changed. The word has not changed. The word is consistent. And I believe that the word is perfect. There was a, um, y'all guys know Aristotle? I know philosophy. Aristotle, he, 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 he thought about the, the idea of perfection, and he said, perfection is completion, and the Bible is complete. And we completely believe that what the Bible says is true. So with that being said, let's open up our text. Today we'll be reading from Luke 18, verse 9 to 14, which is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And um, this is a pretty familiar text to many. Um, I don't know if you guys know what a parable is. Do you guys know what a parable is? Yes. Uh, Y'all sounding a little shaky right now. So um, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, like a really elementary definition. So um, repeat this. Uh, a parable is a earth... Wait, hold up. So... I'm just going to make it short so nobody get confused. It's earthly illustrations with heavenly truths. 
Let's try it again. Earthly illustrations, Earthly illustrations. with heavenly truths. With heavenly truths. So what, what Jesus gets to do in these parables is he gives us a little drop of heaven. He gives us what the kingdom God looks like. He gives us what the characteristics of God are with these parables. So let's read. Luke 18, starting at verse 9. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee Standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fasted twice a week. I give my tithes that all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, He would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For the one who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The title of today's sermon is called Sit down and be humble. (laughs) Again, it's sit down and be humble. It it, it might sound like lyrics to a Kendrick, a familiar Kendrick song, but (laughs) y'all listen to the the unedited version, right? Of course. Yeah, of course, right? (laughs) But in the context of our spiritual walk with God, It seems to be a key rhythm that we need to sit down and be humble. When we truly meet the Lord in devotion, we need to sit down and be humble. When we truly rely on God, we need to sit down and be humble. When we think about words like sacrifice, when we think about words like repentance, when we think about words like suffering, when we think about words like surrender, the only way that we can understand and process these words is if we... All right, you guys are listening. You guys, this side is listening. I don't know about this side. Let's look to the Lord and pray. Father God, We come to you in humility, Lord. We come to you as humble as we can be, O Lord, with humble hearts, O Lord. We know that you have something special for us today, O Lord. We pray that you give us the Holy Spirit, O Lord, to help us receive it, O Lord. We pray that you give me the boldness to speak your truth and your truth alone, O Lord. Move me out the way. We came here for you, Lord. We came here for you, O Lord. Help us 
receive this word and, and, and let it implant in our hearts so we will not just be hearers of the Lord word, but we will be doers as well. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, I have prayed. Amen, amen. and amen. For those who don't know me, um, I have the, the special grace. God has granted me the special, special grace to work at one of the biggest cancer institutes in MSK. Shout out. I, um, I work at one of the biggest cancer institutions in, in, in the world. And um, when I first started, I actually, um, I actually got the opportunity to work on a really big project. It was a project where I got to work with my managers, I had to work with my directors, and I got to work with some high-level executives. And I knew, like, this was my time to shine. I was like, yo, you know, me being fresh out of college, I was like, yo, this is my time to show that this is, I'm worth something. I belong here. And um, I remember they, they were scheduling this meeting. They were scheduling this, this big meeting, and I knew all the big wigs were going to be there. That It was a really high-level meeting. And uh, I, I, I wanted to be super prepared. And, and yeah, I definitely, you know, came super prepared. But I, I really was thinking, yo, what, what am I going to wear? That, that was really what was on my mind. Like, I just you know, finish college and I, and, and, you know, you got that six month grace period after you, you, you don't pay those loans. So I was spending all my money on suits, blazers, blazers. I was the guy that wore the blazer to the baby shower. That's me. I was that guy. I was that guy. And I I just was so ready to, to just show like, you know, dress for success. That's, that was my, my mentality. And, and I was just thinking about what I would wear. I went back home and thought the night before what I would wear. And I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. And I got up that next day and I, and I saw like the shirt that I wanted to wear. It was dirty. And, and, and it was, it was wrinkly. And I, I wasn't ready. I didn't, I, I was a young buck. I was a young buck. It, it, it was dirty. And it wasn't like just that, you know, the ring around the collar. It, 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 no, it wasn't just that. It was, it, was, it was coffee stains. It was a pen mark. It was the pen mark. So, like, it wasn't regular, but, but I, I, was, I was running late and I had to move. I had to do something. So I did what, what any sensible person would do. I layered up. I layered up. What y'all know about that layer up game? It's like, it's like magic because when you throw on the sweater, it's no longer stained. There's no, no longer wrinkled. You got to layer up. Like, you know how they say that there's levels to this? My, my model is there's layers to this. There's lay. I just love, that's my thing. I love layers. I love, I got a couple layers on right now. You know what I mean? But I, I, I love that. And, and so I, I, I can remember vividly what, what, the, what the outfit looked like. I, I remember I had the, the, the white shirt. I don't know how white it was, but it was the white shirt, white collar. It had the skinny tie. I remember I had the custard color sweater on top. And then I had the, I had the blazer on. I had my layers. I remember I had tailored gray pants. I had the, you know, the slim fit. I got to get a slim fit. Yeah. I was looking good and I felt good. And I was like, I'm going to kill it. But I was late. 
I was super late and, 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 and I work in New York. I work in New York, but I, 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 I live in New Jersey. So, you know, those with, with those long commutes, y'all feel me like if, if you are late, <laughs> you're late, late. If, and, and my commute was crazy. I had to, I had to walk to a shuttle and the shuttle took me to the train station and the train station took me to the next train station and I had to walk from Herald Square to the queue and then I had to get to my stop and then I had to walk several blocks to get to my office. So if I was late, I was late, late. If I was late, I was late, late and, and I couldn't be late. So I did what any sensible man would do, any sensible person would do. I ran, I ran, I usually do like a brisk walk. I was doing the Forrest Gump running to that shuttle and I saw the shuttle right in front of me and it was pulling off. And in the movie-esque fashion, I hit him with that side panel, hey, hey, hey. Looking crazy, looking nuts. Everybody on the bus, I live in the suburbs, so they were looking at me nuts. And, but they stopped, by the grace of God, they stopped. They stop. I got on the bus, sweating, a, a little moist in this area, a little moist in this area, but I got the layers. I got the layers. Y'all guys know what's going on. I got the layers and I was good and I was on time for the meeting. Praise God. I was on time for the meeting, but there was another issue. The, no. The AC in the conference room was not working. It was about 90 degrees. It was about 90 degrees and I was visibly sweating, visibly sweating and, and my manager looks at me looking crazy, sweat dropping down my forehead and she says in front of everybody, hey, Timmy, maybe you should take off the sweater and, and the jacket and me understanding all the stains, the wrinkles that I have. I said, nah, I'm cool. I say all that to say, you can look clean on the outside, but when we strip out the outer layers, when we as Christians take off our external goods, we examine our inner hearts. We all have stains. We all have wrinkles. We all are marked with unclean hearts. And that's what we see in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus is talking to a group of people that think that their outside works will clean their insides. So let's dig into the word. Let's dig into the word. Verse nine, he says, he, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. We have to stop right there. We need yeah. to stop right there. Jesus is talking to people who trusted in themselves. He's not saying that he's, he's talking to Pharisees. He's saying that he's talking to people who trust in themselves. This is super important to note because this generation, we're, we're considered generation know-it-all. We're considered generation know-it-all, and it's, and it's easy to make sense of this. It's easy to, 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 to not 
follow God. It's easy to not trust God and trust yourself when, when you have God chilling in your, your palm. Wow. It's easy to, to not trust God's wisdom when we got all the worldly wisdom in our fingertips. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the internet really messed us up. Yeah. It, it changed the game. It really changed the game. Every little thing, instantly, we have it. Yeah. We have it. We sit down, be humble, right? How many people know have know or can read another language? Oh, we, we got a couple. We got a couple. We got a couple. So if we want our tech art team could probably switch that to like 10 different languages if they wanted. Probably in 10 different fonts if they wanted. In, in seconds. That's how instant things are. That's how instant things are. And, you know, that's powerful. We're in this information age. We're in this place where, where, where things come so quickly. But with that, it comes a heart of trusting yourself. So when we, when we think about who Jesus is talking to, we know that he could be talking to us. Some of y'all looking at me like, nah, that's not me. Or some of y'all looking at me like, like, like that can't be, be me. I can't be somebody who just trusts myself. I have a devotional life. I, I know, you know, I, I trust the Lord. But I was reading this, this journal article um, in Psychology Today. It says that the pursuit of perfection or the pursuit to live perfect model lives are on the rise. The article states that our current American society, there's an increase of social and cultural pressures to live a perfect, successful life. And it, the most interesting thing is that it mentions social media as a big role. It says that social media caters to our human desire to always put our best face forward, showing only snapshots of our success, only showing highlights of our lives. Social media is literally driving us to show our works to man. Literally. Y'all remember Instagram like back, back in the day before, you know, uh, Facebook took it over? Instagram was like a place where you, you actually post pictures, like actual, like photographers. You had the Visco cam. Who remember Visco cam? Oh, y'all know. Like they actually post real pictures. But when we look at Instagram profiles now, we got... We got 10 different pictures of 10 different outfits in 10 different places, but the same person though. The same person, it, it's, we've made Instagram all about showing our highlights. And, and there's this cultural pressure, there's this cultural pressure for us to be all put together. Hashtag I woke up like this. Y'all know that I woke up like this? That's a lie. Beyonce, a lie. A lie. You woke up with bad breath and eye boogers. For real. But this, this, this pressure to be perfect is not 
just in the world. It's, it's bled into the church. It's bled into the church. Many of you may even think about how you come and present to church. People feel the need to feel perfect when they come to church. Can we keep it real, church? Can we keep it real? How, how many people feel pressured to, not, to be okay when they come to church? How many people feel pressured to be put together when they come to church? And, and it, it, that, that really breaks my heart because it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's church. It's a place for the broken and the down heart and, 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 and the contrite hearts. It's a place for, for, the, for the, the downtrodden. And it's a place where God lays us by the green pastures. It's a place where God puts us down by the still waters. It's a place where God restores our soul. It's the place where God leads us to the path of righteousness. Let me, let me, repeat, let me repeat that. Where God leads us to the path of righteousness. It's God. But when you ask your friends, hey, you want to go to church with me? What's their answer? Nah, I'm good. Your friends are, are, are actually blunt. My friends will say, um, nah, I'll come, but only when I get myself right. There's this need. You have to come perfect. This is our generation. This is our culture. We are the most self-reliant generation by far, and it's not even close. And when we look at the tux, it's telling us the parable is for people that trust themselves. Jesus is talking to us, and we praise God for a living text that can still speak to us. Praise God. We get to, to verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. The Pharisee is standing and praying about himself. God, I thank you like I'm not like these other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fasted twice a week. I gave a tenth of everything I get. I, I think he, he sounds pretty like despicable, you know. He sounds pretty arrogant. But I really, I really want us to break down this, this verse before, before we move. Before we move, I really want us to, to like dispel some, some myths or some pre, preconceived notions about Pharisees. Because, you know, we, we know, we read this. We know the ending. We know what the ending looks like. The ending is we know that the tax collector's prayer is accepted and the, the um, Pharisees isn't. So we, 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 there's this kind of like duality, like, okay, the, the tax collector is bad or the tax collector is good and the Pharisee is bad, but that's not how God works. God is complex. God is not so black and white sometimes. So we got to think about Pharisees in ancient Israel. Pharisees in ancient Israel, they were not considered bad at all. They were actually admired. They were like the role models for all things spiritual. They had the ability to influence culture. They had like social equity. Like they were the celebrities in 
in Hebrew culture. If, if, if Instagram and Twitter was, was there back then, they would have the blue checks. You know what I mean? They would be verified. But there's, there's a, a problem with, with the Pharisees. They ultimately attribute their righteousness to themselves. Specifically this one, he, he does it so much so that he looks down on others. And this Pharisee thinks that he's actually praising God. He says, he says, he starts off pretty good. He starts off the prayer with Thanksgiving. He says, God, I thank you. I, I, I thought it was going to be okay. But then he, he goes downhill from there. He says <laughs> that I'm not like others. He had an eye disease. He had an eye disease. I am not like others. I fast twice a day. I I'll fast twice a week. I, I give a tenth. I tithe. Five times in the text, in that five, in that five uh, um, verses, he says it five times, I. And he, he does this thing where he compares himself to others. But he's missed the mark. With prayer, he's missed the mark. Because when you start comparing yourself to others, and you don't compare yourself to God, it's easy. It's super easy to compare filthy rag with filthy rag. For real. One, one rag is not as filthy than the other one, but it's still a filthy rag. You can put makeup on a filthy rag, but it's still a filthy rag. You can put a fade and a brush cut on a filthy rag, but it's still a 50 filthy rag. You can, you can buy new clothes, but it's, it's just new rags on a filthy rag. You know? But when it, it's it's really that that's the error we we're comparing ourselves to each other, and and we we don't compare ourselves to God. There's nothing about God in that prayer except for that one beginning, and it's supposed to be a prayer of thanksgiving. But how genuine is a prayer of thanksgiving when it's about you? <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine if I, if I, if I, you know, thank somebody like that, if I was like, yo, Rob, yo, thank you for praise and worship because, you know, when we was praising my, I was hitting all the notes. I can do it again. You know, I was killing it and I was in my zone and I was two-stepping. Yo, I was doing so good and I was in my, my spiritual bag and I was, I was like really in, in, yo, I was worshiping crazy, yo. I was worshiping crazy, but... But shout out to you, though. But shout out to you. You know, you know, like how, how genuine, how genuine is that? How genuine is that type of prayer? How genuine is that, that Thanksgiving? I think it's clear that the Pharisee, he, he had true devotion, but his, his devotion was to the law. I'm not, I'm not sure if he had a real devotion to, to God and, and, and he was not concerned about what God wants and he's not concerned about what God hates. You can tell by the language, but if he did have an experience with God, if he did brush up against the righteousness of God, if he brushed up to the majesty and the holiness of God, there would be nothing to brag about. 
when we meet God, when we truly meet God, the only response is, is humility, repentance, and giving glory to God. Isaiah 43, 7, it says, everyone who calls by my, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, from whom I formed and made. We are all here strictly to give God glory. That is it. That is it. That is it. Every deed, every task to give God glory. Everything. If you, you're helping somebody out, glory be to God. If you're fasting and praying, glory be to God. If you're obedient, glory be to God. If you're sacrificing, glory be to God. If you're doing something outside of, of giving God glory, it's all vanity. Yeah. It's all vanity. And we see that. We see that. Verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven. But he kept striking his chest. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A lot of times we think that we're just on the side of the tax collector, like just like that, like the tax collector wanted mercy and, and, ja, and God justify him and, and that's it. But I, 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 did, I did a little bit of research on this tax collector guy, on this tax collector position. Tax collectors, they, they used to be called publicans and, and publicans, what they did is um, ancient Rome, they, 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 they were a violent force, violent regime. They were just taking up different lands, taking up different, taking up different lands, conquering people. And what they would do is they would get uh, contracted, hired workers to collect tax. So <laughs> it's kind of like getting somebody that, that, that lives in the same town as you to get tax from somebody who conquered you. It's kind of like, like, like a, a house Negro. In slavery, you ever know the house Negro? You guys know of, of a house Negro? You know, they would take you, they would conquer you, and then they would put somebody over you, but they were the same thing, they were same like you. And, and what they would also do, and they, so they, they thought that was a tr like you were, you were being like a traitor, but, but what made it worse is they would, they would tax them, not just what Rome taxed them, they would, they would hike the rates, and then they would hike the rates more, and they would hike the rates more, stealing from their own people, like predatory lending, like, like you have this land, and you have, if you know anything about mortgages, you, ha you have this land, it's, you have a 5% interest rate. The next month, it's 10%. The next, percent, the next month, it's 15%. And you can't do nothing because the publican has the Roman army right behind them to go to your house, to rape your wife, to beat you up, to send you to jail. So this tax collector, this tax collector is a really violent man, a very pungent man. And this tax collector, what he does, it surprised me. He goes into this temple understanding that everybody hates him. 
understanding that he's the most vile person in that place. And he, he beats on his chest, beats on his chest. And you know he's going through something because you don't beat on your chest for no reason. <laughs> this visceral reaction to your sin, this visceral reaction to disappointing God. We have, so, so we have these two people. Like, how do, how do we reconcile this? How do we? How do we like? How do we think about this? How do we? What? 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 Like? What's? How do we? We we have the the, the tax collector, who who is vile, but 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 is giving um, a, a true, genuine prayer to God, and we have this this religious person who who the law is not bad. He participates in the law. Jesus came in a world, and he participated in the law as well. The law is not bad but he doesn't have true devotion to, to, to God. What, what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Ultimately, what, what, is, what, what we get out of this, what we pull out of this is their reaction to grace. Yeah. Their reaction to grace. One person accepted the grace of God. The other person didn't need the grace of God or didn't know they needed the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. There are many for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not by your doing. It is a gift of God, not by the results of your worth, but is so no one can boast. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna end with this, with this story. My, one of my good friends, I was talking to him about this, this, this parable, and and he he asked me this really interesting question. He said, he said, yo, are, are all Pharisees bad? Mm. And I was like, kind of kind of riddled me because I didn't I never thought about like an individual Pharisee I didn't I never thought about um like what 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 an individual Pharisee would look like or how would they how would they have devotion to the Lord and and my answer to him was an individual Pharisee is not bad but the construct of which they learn is bad the construct of which they develop Devotion is bad. And we have this, this world, this society, this place where this, this New York, where we do, we do, we do. We go graduate, then we go find a job and then we go find a spouse and then we go to brunch and then we go meet people and then we go and 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 we use our resources and we use internet and we use our phones. We don't, we're not bad, but our construct is bad. We have a bad construct in terms of of devotion to our to, to, to God in terms of humility. 
it's really hard to be humble. It's really hard to be humble. It's really hard to sit down, especially in a city like New York. But we have the ability to get into these scriptures. We have the ability to understand what God really wants. We have the ability to truly meditate and think about what God wants from us and what God hates. I'll end with that. And I'll end with the prayer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, we, we pray, oh Lord, um, for this. We pray for, for this scripture, Lord. We pray that, that it does something in our hearts, oh Lord. With the parables, oh Lord, to those who are hard-hearted, to those who are closed-minded, they're not affected, but to those who you want to penetrate, to those who are open-minded, oh Lord, you have given them access, free access to know you, Lord, to know what you want, oh Lord, and you're calling for humility, you're calling for us to just bow down to you, oh Lord, to give you glory. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that there's a, there's a switch in the paradigm, oh Lord, that there's a switch in our thinking, oh Lord. We pray that although we're in the most busy city in the world, that we would slow down for you, that we are in the most goal-oriented, the most professional city in the world, that we would just give you glory, oh Lord, that we would reflect any ounce of glory that we get and give it to you because that's what you want, Lord. You created us. You formed us. God, help us. Help us. We really need your help, yeah. Lord. This parable is for us specifically. We, help, we, we, we pray that we are able to meditate on this, oh Lord, that we're able to change, oh Lord. Perspectives change, oh Lord. Actions change, oh Lord, that we would slow down for you. We pray that all in your beautiful name. Amen.